Welcome to the best podcast available, Training Camp Edition. Here are your hosts, Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, and Nick Shook. And we welcome you in to the best podcast available. We are back. Player day off yesterday. Moose is running through the building uh, with his leash in his mouth. All hell is breaking loose. Dogs and cats are living together mass hysteria. I'm Gibbs. He's Gribbs. He shook. And this is day number six of training camp. I don't know how I remembered that, but I did. Gentlemen, boys back on the field today. Um, I had a little dispute with Gribble. I thought it was a little lethargic. Gribble disagreed. Gribble? I, I, def- I definitely didn't think it was lethargic. I think that it's it was might have been sloppy in parts, but I thought that of the practices we've seen so far, I would put this at like the second most physical of camp, maybe even the first. I thought they just did, I thought they just did a lot of team stuff, and I that's what made it uh, a little more entertaining to me than it was on Monday. Monday, I think they just hit a wall, and I think they came out pretty fresh today. And as I heard John Dorsey talking on NFL Network just a little bit ago, this is the kind of situation. This is the kind of practice where it's based around putting players in stressful situations, and I think we saw a lot of that. Uh, sometimes the team did well, other times, as we saw at the end, not so well. And I think that he, we heard from Freddie after practice, he definitely wasn't thrilled about the practice, but I wouldn't say he was overall too too upset about it because I, I did I did think the intensity was where it needed to be. I think you probably got the vibe of, of a lethargic practice early because they did come out slow. It uh, was slow. There was a moment, I think it was maybe the first play of the first team period, uh, where there was a nice... Uh, block on the inside, a handoff to Dontrell Hilliard. He cut off it really well and ran for a touchdown. And Freddie immediately got into the defensive players' faces about it and said, "Hey, you know that's you know we're, we're not going to accept that. Uh, you know, wake up. You had a day off. You're not off anymore. Play like you're supposed to play." And then he got <laughs> got into uh, Taki Taki's face and said, "Get the call, Taki. Like just like let's go. Get him. Get him going. You are a." You might be a rookie, but you're an energy provider. You're a leader with your physicality and your voice and everything else. Get them going because obviously people needed woken up. And I think they did wake up and, and have a physical practice. I thought it was the most physical practice of all these so far, um, especially being you know close to the action. There was a point where Derek Willies was split out wide to the left and came down and blocked somebody at the second level. And, and Derek's not the thickest guy. He's tall. But he put a good pop into someone, and I was—I I got myself going, whoa, whoa, okay, Willies. I mean, and that's kind of the tone of the practice. People were hitting pretty hard. It was not a bad day, then? No, it depends on who you just, were. <clears throat> well, yeah, there were— We can get there, to that later, but— yeah. Well, I mean, let's just get the 1,000-pound gorilla out right now. Um, kickers did not exactly light the world on fire today. That was a good start for them, right? I mean, yeah. if I was keeping track at home, they were all they were making their non-pressure kicks. I think what was it, eight for eight or seven for eight, something like that. Eight for eight with the doink that, for the second straight time for Seibert, was fortunate. There was he he's playing the uprights well, but it was when the pressure kicks came down at the end of practice where it just hasn't gone well. Even the one that did go in wasn't what didn't get off on time. So at, do we count that as zero makes in pressure situations? Yeah. So it's a zero out? make because yeah. I think if I recall, Freddie was yelling, we just lost because you couldn't get out here on time. The Browns, we lost the game. The Browns lost. The Browns lose again because you guys are stupid, yeah. is what he said. Cleaning it up. Because they couldn't uh, uh, get set in the right spot at the right time. But, I mean, it is a small improvement. Monday was bad. 
Monday, they couldn't hit anything for the majority of the day. At least in the earlier session, they did hit those kicks. But, yeah, still got to work in the pressure situations. I think it's all part of figuring out a kicking competition in which, you know, there's no clear leader, and it appears as though both guys are struggling with what I think is the most mentally grueling position in football. Not physically, definitely not physically, but mentally as being a kicker because your entire job rests on whether or not you can make a kick. And, and the, the many different factors that, are, that weigh into this, you know, sometimes they're not considered. It's like golf. I, I compare it to golf. You know, you're battling against yourself as much as you are against the other 11 guys in the field. So, you know, it, it's a tough thing. And, and Freddie said it too, you know, day by day. He'd really like to, to go kick by kick, but at least day by day. And today, not a good day, but not the worst day. Uh, he said it too. You have to have a short memory. Yeah. And, and I felt like our guys – it were definitely affected by those misses because they went over to the secondary field for the day and were working, and it was getting worse before it got a little bit better at the end of practice when they were kicking against nobody and they had the ball just on the holder. <laughs> Sometimes you got to just take a step and walk away and, and you know recollect yourself before you go back at it. Yeah, It's interesting because we've seen it go both ways here with kicking competitions and it, at least in my time here. I've seen it go two different ways, but the end result has never been great uh, when the season comes. I've seen kicking competitions here between two kickers that didn't miss the entire camp. I thought, was it a couple years ago, Zane Gonzalez and Cody Parkey? They didn't miss very much. And then you get to the season, didn't go so well. Well, Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's well. – and we've seen some other ones where – was it the uh, – who is the guy, the local guy? Uh, he had the nickname. Was From it Mur- Mayfield. Yeah, Murderleg. That was his nickname. Uh, yes, uh, that was the, the and he went up against Travis Coons, and Travis Coons. Cannot remember the kids. Oh, name. oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Travis Coons won the competition. Yep, uh, and then got to the season was doing all right, but then once you extended him out a little bit beyond forty yards, to where it got a little dicey. The low kicks. The low kicks, and then so you ended up with looking for another kicker again for the next year. I mean, this this team has had different types of competitions. This one so far. Has not gone great. It's not a. It's not a choice of gosh, the, all these guys are making them. We have to pick who's making them better. Now we're getting to the point where all of a sudden these preseason games matter a lot more than I thought they would for this kicking competition because I think that's uh, that's where we're going to figure out who maybe has it or doesn't, and that's where it gets tricky. You can't you can't force field goals in situations in in a game in a game. I mean, in the preseason, you, so you, if you're one of these kickers, you could be on the wrong end of the stick and, sure. and not get any kick attempts in games. So that's why these practice ones are so important. But we're a long way away from a decision. It's going to bother me that I can't remember this guy's name, but maybe. Maybe this is just hopefully Ribbles looking a case of well Casey Redfern he's popping up but I know it's not that name. Uh, Kerry Spear, that's it. What was it? Great Car- high school kicker. Kerry Spear, great college. See, kicker. That's kind of close to Casey. All right, I wasn't that far off. But maybe it's just a case of bad dress rehearsal, great performance. Fingers crossed. I don't know. We got a lot of camp to go. I mean, Greg Joseph made some made some big kicks for this team. Austin Seibert made a ton of kicks at Oklahoma at a, at a place that it's not like he was kicking in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. He made some pressure kicks. These guys have it in them. All these kickers have it in them. All these kickers that get drafted, whether they make it or not, all these kickers that get signed, they were good at some point. And really, for them, they go through the least amount of change from college to NFL. They are still doing the same thing no matter what. Maybe the hashes are a little bit different. Yeah, it's actually narrow. a little bit more narrow. Yeah. But what the movement you are doing, has it's the same. Like – Every other player has to go through a much bigger adjustment. It's just the mental adjustment. All right, so we've talked about some good, some not so good game balls. 
If you had to uh, throw one out here today, who would get one? Gribbs, we'll start with you. You know, I'm going to go with it's – it's one we keep going back to. I just think it's Dontrell Hilliard. Like, the guy keeps making plays, like, over and over and over again. Like, he's just – he's a part of this offense. Let's get used to it. Not just a kicker turner, not just a third running back. He will be a part of this offense. It becomes clearer every day we're out there. He's take, he's He was playing this well in the spring, but now he's taking advantage even more of these running back injuries in front of him. Just get to know him. He's going to be a part of this team. I'm going to surprise some people with this one. Today, Greedy Williams got his first run with the ones uh, and played pretty well for the most part. Got burned once by Richard Higgins. But I'm not going to go with Greedy. I'm going to go with Terrence Mitchell because this is a guy who had to give up his spot to Greedy today and ran with the twos and play, had a really, really good practice. He was everywhere. He was all over the field. Yeah. And, and some guys will wilt in that, in that scenario. Terrence Mitchell appears to be a fighter, and he's going to keep fighting for that job. He, I feel like he was in that spot last year before he was moved up to the first team. He, he started the camp at second team. That, okay, yeah. good. I, I do remember that. My brain's not totally mush right now. Um, <laughs> but he had a great training camp. He was a guy that just made plays every day. Like you came off and you said, oh, came off the field and said, yeah, like he's a guy that stood out to you as a guy making plays. And it worked, in, you know, was able, once he got the forward momentum going, now he's in the starting lineup and he's really playing well. I wonder if it's different in this with this competition. Like I, I'm sure whoever's battling for that starting job wants to be the starter. But what makes this one different from the right guard competition is with the right guard, it's like there's a clear winner and a clear loser. Like the right yeah. guard's going to play every snap. Whoever doesn't win the competition probably not going to play much. With this competition, someone's going to start, but these other guys are still going to play. And I wonder if that takes the pressure off a little bit. For for some for someone like Terrence Mitchell, like he knows if he's not the starting corner on this team, he's still going to play a bunch, and there's going to be games that he's going to start. I mean, yeah. we know with injuries at this position, yeah. so I think it, what it's showing to me is this team has four really good corners, and now it's a matter of finding the fifth and sixth ones, and then figuring out where they work best. See, I, I would like to like subscribe to that theory that you know you're still going to play, but there's so much pride involved with these guys that I would be really hard pressed to be con- to be convinced that that starting job doesn't mean something to him. I think if it meant I think it means more to Terrence Mitchell than it would to Greedy Williams just cuz Greedy's a rookie, he's, he's kind of just taking everything as it comes to him. Terrence has been in this league. This is not his first team and this is not his first camp in which he's had to battle for a, a starting job and I think that it probably means more to him. He definitely played today especially like it means a lot to him. So I think it's a pride thing and and hopefully it continues to fuel what has been a pretty good competition. My game ball would go to Nick Chubb who continues to have a, a really, really solid camp. I mean, we talk about Hilliard. Chubb's playing lights out. He's in midseason form already when you watch him play. And through some of those tackle, 11 on 11, full contact, he really elevated his game. You could see. I mean, it's the same thing with Baker. Both of those guys, you can see them during practice where they're going through a drill and maybe they don't look as sharp, but it's because they're working on things. Or they're working on very, you know, I'm working on this cut, not necessarily wanting to be the best right now. I'm trying to figure out what's going to work for me and what's not. But then when it's like game on, 11 on 11, and go, he is just lights out and has been for the last six days. I think we've seen that progression from the offense so far. I, I think it's it's kind of on display in the last couple days, and, and I think even more today, where even when they were under when Baker was under pressure, he still found a way to escape the pocket, step up, make a throw, that kind of thing, or maybe scramble for a gain. 
So over time, yeah, the defense is providing challenges, and yes, they're hitting bumps in the road, but they're getting better at it with each day, and they're getting what looks to be more comfortable within this offense. And in, in for just a grand scheme of things, it looks like as a unit they're improving, which is encouraging. I'm throwing in a bonus game ball in there because I don't think we'd ever like give him one because I, I think Baker was really good today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, really, I'll yeah. give uh, – he was – this was, I think, his best – there was some. He had some of his best throws at camp today. Yeah, and he was really stretching the field a lot. It's just, it's, it's not. It's just not coming as easy for them because they're going up against a really good defense. And I think it's that's why it gets overlooked. And we're going after some of these like niche areas on the team. But this guy's a star, and he had a great practice today. A lot of really good accurate throws downfield. It's a defense, by the way. Pat Kerwin, uh, NFL analyst for XM Sirius and former NFL exec was on Browns Daily today and said, I spent yesterday with the Patriots. I've spent a few days with some of the top defenses here since camp started. Your defense is two weeks ahead of everybody else. Yeah, and that's how they've played. That's pretty impressive. And for the offense to kind of catch up should be really, really encouraging. Yeah, no question about it. All right, that's what happened on day six out in Berea. Time for today's interview of the day. And Andrew Gribble had a chance to sit down with our linebacker coach and run game coordinator, Al Holcomb. Some good stuff here on our linebacking core through the first few days of camp. Have a listen. All right, Coach, just what, what can you say you've learned about your guys so far through the first part of camp here? Uh, they take coaching, number one. They're all coachable. They're good guys. Um, they want to be coached. Uh, they're trying to do the things that we're asking them to do, be physical, play downhill. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's been a pleasure so far. How much carryover do you see from what you guys were trying to install in the spring? And then how, how much, how, how different is it when you guys get out here and really start practicing? Yeah, I th you know what, from a mental standpoint, I think the uh, recall has been very good actually from the spring up until now in training camp. Obviously, you know, there's still some things that we got to continue to tighten up and work on each and every day. Uh, but at the same time, I think the guys are being very conscientious in terms of their preparation in the meeting room, asking questions, being prepared so that when they take the field, you know, we can minimize some of the mental errors that occurred early on when we first started installing the defense in the spring. How do you think your rookies have been doing so far in handling their first training camp? I think they're getting better each and every day. Every practice, I'm seeing improvement. You know, we're, you know, the, the thing, the slogan in our room is we don't want to be repeat offenders. So once we make a mistake and we correct it, okay, hopefully we've corrected it for the long term. Let's move on and let's correct the new mistakes and continue to progress and get better each and every day. But they've done a, a pretty good job up to this point. Safe to say Taki Taki's liked it when the pads have come on so far? He <laughs> He's an emotional player. He plays with a lot of spirit, a lot of heart. Um, gives maximum effort on every single play, and that's his element right there once we put the pads on, yes. Is it a fine line of managing that emotion and, and then as a coach trying to reel it in, maybe if it gets yeah. in the way or anything? There, there is. A, you know, a player like Tak, you, you know, you, 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 you're, I'd rather him be on that side of the fence and have to bring him in versus having to push him over there to that side of the fence. So, yeah, he understands that. He's a smart young man. He understands that, you know, he's got to at times practice safe for the betterment of our football team. Is, is that something you've dealt with, guys, you've coached in the past? Is, and is it something that comes with age and you get more used to it, I guess? In the yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it's a combination of both. Um, obviously, that's what you like to see as a coach. That's what you like to see at the position, the physicality, the effort, all of those things. And um, But I think, yeah, as, as guys get older and older, they understand how to practice. You know, the vets kind of take care of each other a little bit more. So, uh, you know, he'll learn over time. He'll learn. 
Speaking of vets, it's, this team really didn't have a healthy Christian Kirksey in, until uh, since the first half of last year. What have you seen just from how he's playing and, and maybe from a leadership standpoint? Out there? Yeah, he's 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 been a leader for us since the spring. Um, he's done a great job in terms of um, his preparation, picking up the system. Uh, he's out there communicating. He looks fast. He looks smooth. He's fluid. Uh, he's physical. He made some nice plays, showing his physicality at the point of attack today. So uh, looking for a big year from him. The other veteran, Joe Schobert, what have you what have you learned about him since you got here? And it seems like he's still making plays, like on Sunday when he pokes the ball out there oh, yeah. and, and on, on the two-minute drill. Yeah, he's got a great knack for, for doing that. And, you know, he kind of orchestrates the defense, uh, gets everyone aligned, makes the checks for us. He's still working his way through. He's a very smart player. He's a cerebral player. He takes great notes in the classroom. Uh, so now it's just bringing the physical part of it, the element, uh, bringing that and, and the techniques that go within the system that we run here so that he can play faster. How much, I mean, this is obviously a point of emphasis every year, but it seems like there's been a big emphasis on fundamentals with tackling. Uh, how much, what have you seen from the guys in that department so far? Yeah, well, it's hard, it's hard to say because obviously we're not full live and we really won't know until we start playing some games, but we work on tackling every single day, whether we're just in helmets, whether we're in full pads, whatever it may be. We work on fundamentals every day. The angles that we take to the football is critical, understanding where our help defense is. And then obviously when we arrive, we have to arrive with you know a sense of, of, of urgency and physicality at the point of attack. You've got a lot of history with, with Steve as, as kind of a defensive coordinator. What's it been like watching him kind of bring his, his system in here and how guys have been a, a, approaching it? it it's been it's been great you know Steve and I have been together for for a number of years now and uh, we kind of know what each other is thinking because we've been through so many different scenarios within the system so for myself personally uh, it's it's a level of comfort that I have with him and uh, you know and, and we're just trying to instill the system and and the philosophy that we've had over a number of years and bring it here and and guys are buying into it I don't know if you heard yes, uh, a couple days ago, Larry Ogunjobi compared uh, him to Denzel Washington as a kind of character. <laughs> Is that someone he reminds you of? Well, that's been said a number of times over the years, so that's <laughs> nothing new to me. I've heard it many, many times before. <laughs> and then for, for your guys, there's a, a couple guys fighting for spots, and special teams is going to be so important. How much do you stress to those guys that special teams is maybe the difference maker for some of their, their spots on the team? Yeah, I, I think as, as collectively, uh, you know, in this league right now, I stress it. Obviously, the special teams coaches stress it. The the, uh, the head coach stresses it. Guys know it's tough to crack the 53, and uh, you have to bring multiple value, positional value, whether it's as a position player and special teams player, or just as a special teams player being a four-phase player. That's what we're looking for. Uh, so obviously, of the, it's of the utmost importance, and you want those players to have value for you as a defense as well, in addition to special teams. Appreciate Coach's time. Gribble, your, your big takeaway from Al Holcomb and, and what he had to say about his linebacking room. Well, I just think that there's been a lot of focus on the rookies, and I think there's a lot of excitement on the rookies. I know it's been viewed that these guys have a real shot at competing for these starting jobs, but I, maybe from what I'm seeing at practice, I don't – see it that way right now I think this group has two really good linebackers and we only we a lot of the time out there we only see two linebackers on the field so it's it'll be interesting to see where a Taki Taki fits in where a Mac Wilson fits in but right now I think when it comes to starters I think the Browns are set at that linebacker position it's just now where we're going to fill in these depth pieces and really not, not something we truly got into and basically it's hard to describe because he's not out on the practice field but do we even consider Jannard Avery a linebacker right now and where he'll line up this season? I think right now you consider him as a defensive end, and, and then that adds to the defensive end depth that's on this team. You know, 
me and uh, Nathan were talking about this today while watching practice. You know, if, if you consider Jannard Avery a, a defensive end, you're probably four or even five deep at the position where you could see any of these guys lining up and, and making an impact to some degree. Now, obviously, they're not all going to be like Miles Garrett, but they could still make a, 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 cons- a considerable impact. And, uh, and if you're going to run nickel more than 50% of the time, which is what most, most defenses do, seems like this defense is going to a lot, then you don't even really need to worry about that third linebacker position. And you look at Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey as your, your penciled-in starters, and then behind them you could have, you know, Taki Taki, Mac Wilson, and, or Darius Taylor, or whoever else is in that group that you would want to play. And then you realize that, you know, this position group that maybe people were really concerned about, they shouldn't actually be concerned about. And a lot of that has to do with that defensive line and how they're keeping these guys clean. Christian Kirksey has benefited from this a lot, from uh, from not having blockers on him. He's been able to make plays. We've seen Taki Taki also benefit from it with the second team. So overall, I mean, they're looking like they're in a pretty good shape right now through six days of practice. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Pretty impressive, and I think it was something we all had a little worry about. Yeah. Going into the draft, and then coming out, you said, all right, well, you got Mac Wilson, you got Taki Taki, and now all of a sudden you have a little bit of depth. Not a horrible thing. And yeah, but we, it's it's one of those things where now Browns fans experienced last year. Both Schobert and Kirksey got hurt last year. Missed yeah. extended periods of time, both of them. So you got to have those guys ready. Yeah. All right, time to get a little peek into what happened today at camp in our soundbite section. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, first and foremost, on the sloppy clock management as it pertained to the kicking game today and if he thought that was the case. Yeah, I thought that part of it was sloppy, but I also think it's a learning process, and that's what we're trying to do, trying to get everybody better. Uh, uh, Trying to be a smart football team, and uh, we're going to be a smart football team if we want to get to where we're going. So Freddie, uh, not pleased, and I think we talked about it earlier in the show where we said the Browns lose again, or the Browns lose because we couldn't get on the field to kick the field goal. It's the same thing with penalties. It's it's just the overall sloppiness and not wanting to be on a roller coaster and straight, no mistakes and no sloppiness and no penalties. And that's the ultimate goal, and we're not quite there yet. What did he emphasize uh, when he made the guys run half-gassers the other day after that fight? We don't practice penalties. So every time that he sees a flag thrown, and here's the thing, we've talked about this on this podcast before too, they're upset if the referees don't throw flags oh, when yeah. penalties occur. I mean, they want to make sure that this team is as mistake-free as possible, which should be refreshing and exciting for fans because we've seen past regimes not get care that much about it, and then these Browns teams of the past you know, suffer the, the, the consequences of being a sloppy team with a ton of penalties. That's one of the easiest ways to lose a football game. Two of the easiest ways, commit a ton of penalties and turn the ball over. And they're really trying to avoid both of those things with a, 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 an extreme focus on the penalty aspect of it. And to the point where he's going to get after guys uh, and negate field goals that were good you know, in situations like that because of the penalties. I thought it was hilarious how dramatic he was today about it. And you could tell he was upset. It wasn't a charade. He was no. really upset because he knows that those types of small mistakes will then result in losses which would then result in negative you know energy and and feedback for this team and this is not what the franchise needs in past seasons that's how you lose the opener 17 exactly and I think that's what he was emphasizing when he said that the Browns lose again it was like these small mistakes can end up in a loss and we don't want to deal with that yeah and for the players that was that situation was a layup they didn't even run the for the the play before at, at full speed you know, they knew what was coming. They had their guys all lined up in a row. It's not going to be that easy in a real game environment with crowd noise, with the chaos of everything like that. 
that you're 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 getting this the situation as easy as it comes. It's only going to get more difficult in the game. All right. So J.C. Treader, uh, someone rolled up on him at the end of practice, but Treader able to gut it out and play it out like he did every game last year. I would say <laughs> after the after the bye week, uh, Freddie on J.C. Treader and hurt versus injured. Well, I wouldn't expect anything other than him finish. I don't know where that expectation level came from that he needed to set out just because he got a little hurt ankle. But, you know, J.C. uh, demonstrated last year that he can play hurt, all right? And we have to understand as a group, collectively, offense, defense, special teams, the difference between being hurt and being injured, all right? I've always heard that my whole life. And you know what? We're a weekend account. You're banged up, you know, you're coming off an off day, but we just went through five days in a row, three days in pads. I don't expect anybody to feel good. And I promise you they're not going to feel good at the end of this training camp. So I need to see somebody build and, and bringing through and being the best that they can be, even though they may be a little nicked up. And J.C., I knew J.C. would do it. He did it all last year. So it was good to see because people tend to follow. You know, they see somebody do that and people tend to follow. So we need guys like that. Obviously, this is going to be a little controversial. Uh, each team handles it differently. Each coach handles things one way or the other way. And there's, it's that gray line, hurt and injured, and how you're able to play, how you're not able to play. Uh, J.C. Treader's a warrior. And I think that, you know, you've seen these guys, and it goes back to, it goes back to hard knocks last year and guys sitting out practice for veteran day off or – you know, guys that maybe were a little dinged up that could have practiced that didn't, you know, you're seeing guys on the practice field and at least going through the individual drills. And Treader's just a warrior. That's what it comes down to. Let me toss this out there, too. I'm guessing the same people who would be upset by J.C. Treader finishing today's practice would then have an issue the opposite way if, hey, we get to a preseason game and we're all of a sudden not playing some starters. I'm guessing those same people would be upset both ways. Yes. So I'm just I'm gonna th- throw that throw point. out that theory. Uh, you know, it's it's good. I think this is a, all these medical people are as trained as possible. They know when an injury is something that uh, can not get worse if the guy's out sure. there. I think they understand that. Uh, and they if there's someone they know who has a high pain tolerance, it's J.C. Treader from what he dealt with all last year. Yeah, and you know it's weird because when you saw him go down. He, he went down and then got up very quickly, but when he get, went down, he had the body language of someone who had gotten hurt. I was sitting there going, oh, no. And then he got up very quickly, and I was like, oh, well, maybe he's fine. But then he took his helmet off, and he went to throw it and didn't, but you could tell he was frustrated, and then he did end up throwing it after that. And it was a question of, because that was that third down play where they didn't get the first down. Was he frustrated because they couldn't get a first down on, on multiple chances, or was he hurt? So then once he finally walked away and kind of wandered over to the side and, and, and waved the trainer off before they finally came up, that's when you knew, okay, he's done something. But, you know, testament to him and his toughness, he got his spat redone. He just had a big spat on his ankle and went right back in and played. I think it's important because you have to figure out the chemistry of this offensive line. And as you keep rotating these guys at right guard, not having the best center on the field is going to affect that guy and his evaluation. It's very hard to separate between the two when you're breaking down that film. And I think he understands the importance of that and will play through something that might just be an ankle sprain or a tweak, nothing super serious. And, you know, credit Freddie Kitchens for uh, commending him for that afterward, you know, and saying he's a tough guy. I expect him to play through being hurt. Difference between hurt and injured. He's hurt. I expect him to play for it. And also to set the tone of toughness. You know, this, this, physical, pro, this physical training camp is not going to just 
be to weed out who's going to play and who's not, but also to create a culture of toughness and perseverance. And I think J.C. Treader is the model for that. No question about it. Final cut, Baker Mayfield uh, asked today if he huddles up with his wide receivers uh, off the field and in the locker room after basically the outburst the other day when he got after a couple of his wide receivers for not coming back to the football uh, when he was under duress. And Baker uh, pulled no punches with the answer. Just well, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not a jackass. you got to talk through it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to harp on it, and then I'm going to talk to him. And those guys know that that's a big part of our offense, and they know that. It's just the fact that if we get lazy and we let things slide, uh, we need to be over-communicating right now. That's, that's what the good teams do. I mean, like I said, you got to be on the same page. It's all about communicating. And, and Baker, it's part of the culture, too. I think that Baker is establishing, along with Freddie, along with John Dorsey, communicating, over-communicating. I'm going to be mad at you, but later on I'm going to talk to you like man-to-man, and we're going to have this out. We're going to figure out what went right, what went wrong, and how we can get better at it. It's early, and we're still trying to figure it out. I think it's the foundation of any successful business, whether you're in football or or another sport or just in life. It's key communication, being straightforward with – the people with which you with whom you work and and Baker I think has been the model of that you know he's only in his second year but he plays like he's wise beyond his years and getting on the same page with his guys is important because a they need to in the passing game but also they need to have mutual respect for each other so that they can hash these things out because we go back to the big personalities thing and well if somebody's going to get upset we need to have a clear line of communication also respect so that we can speak about this like men like professionals get it fixed and enjoy uh, mutual success as opposed to sniping at each other and and maybe having some things break down that might have broken down in the past so I think you know for a second year guy that's that's really big for him and, and this entire offense moving forward and this is why those throwing sessions are so important over the summer that these guys do it, it makes it easier for you to yell at someone when you know them a little bit better and they've had a lot of time with each other Baker's gotten to know Odell and Jarvis off the field they were getting to know each other even before Odell was on this team and I think that when you play and, and play at the level Baker does, the uh, level of respect comes that way, and he's made it clear in year two this is his team, and, and that's why outbursts like that, they might have been a big deal if it, if it came from the backup quarterback last year. This year I just think we need to get used to it. Yeah, no question about it. All right, one final thing before we preview tomorrow. <clears throat> I had an honorary game ball, and I meant to say it earlier uh, to follow up with your Baker Mayfield. Antonio Callaway has taken a little bit of heat Taking a little bit of flack. He's been with a second team. Made the most of some opportunities today. Yeah, he's had a and l- I, I don't want to shortchange him because he played really well today. He's had a couple of good days. I thought he had a good day Monday as well. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I think the it's it's become clear to him who, what the pecking order is, and I think he needs to make a move. And I think last couple of days he was – there was a couple of plays where he was open, like just wide open. I yeah. mean, and that was – it almost looked like such a routine play, but he just got himself very open. And, again, the talent's there. Everyone knows that. It's just about putting it in the right place at the right time. I also think there's a little bit of a, a positive function that comes from playing him with the twos in that, you know, Freddie said today we don't have a depth chart anywhere in our in our offices, which I don't know if that's entirely true, but I can understand what he's the point he's trying to make there. But also, if you're trying to evaluate your second-team offense and maybe whoever's playing second-team quarterback, whether it's Drew Stanton or Garrett Gilbert, you would probably be you would probably benefit more from having a guy who could be a number one receiver in that group in an Antonio Callaway than just playing your 
you know, uh, five, six, and seven receivers or whatever it is, or you're four, five, six. Maybe he's fourth in the depth chart now, but he could very well be in a top three or a top four with this receiving core. You know, obviously it's a little top heavy with Odell and Jarvis, but I think that that can help that unit run better and get a better feel for what they're trying to execute with a guy of his talent there. So I don't think it's entirely a, 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 just a demotion or just, hey, you're, you're stuck with the second team. Because he did get some first-team reps a few days ago. But I do think it's, it's more beneficial for those guys when they're trying to run their plays. All right, what else are we looking for as we go into day number seven of training camp tomorrow morning? I just think more of the same, better execution during these situations and – I don't know if the kickers are going to kick tomorrow. I'd like to see some kicks get made to, to make myself feel better about that situation. Yeah. But, you know, I'd like to see more from more more from the offense, some good execution and everything like that. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'll request a, a – I would like a little day one where we we're forcing the ball to Odell. Maybe we can uh, start forcing it that way. I would, it would be kind of entertaining. But this offense has got a lot of openings. They're putting a lot of attention Odell's way. He's getting guarded by Denzel Ward. But maybe uh, – Maybe day seven would be a fun Odell day. All right. Yeah. We could use an Odell day. Yeah. It's we, been a week. Yeah, we haven't gotten much from Odell in the last couple of days. He's been you know, involved in individual, and then he just kind of takes his off on the side during team, which is fine. Yep. You know what he brings. Yeah, I, 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 I was going to say, he showed low, on day one. Low on he, my list of worries. I, yeah. I, have, I just want to see some fun catches. It would be enjoyable. It would create some good content for us to uh, spread on the socials, for sure. But, Put the views uh, back up. and Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we, not we'll that the views are, are are lacking in no. any way, shape, or form. No, shout out to all the Browns fans apartment. who consume our uh, our social media content. We appreciate you. You're giving us great traffic and uh, sterling reviews from the higher ups. We appreciate that. But also, um, I think another thing that we should look out for tomorrow is the return of Austin Corbett, according to the rotation, back into the starting lineup. He spent the last two days with the twos. Um, he's gotten a lot of time at center, and he looked way more comfortable at center today. Not way more comfortable at center than guard. Just that when he does play center, it seems as though he's starting to grow into that role, which should be really encouraging for his stock as both a starter and a long-term player. Because let's face it, as much as we love J.C. Treader, he's, he's, this is his last year of his deal, so you always have to look down the road. And I think that he is growing into a guy who could play either position, and that's encouraging to see. But we'll see him back with the ones uh, tomorrow at right guard, another padded session, and uh, hopefully we can start to get a little bit of clarity in this whole situation at the position. All right. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. If you would like to download this podcast or any of our previous training camp podcasts, log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Coordinator is supposed to talk tomorrow, so that should be interesting, and hopefully one of them will join us. This has been the best podcast available.